0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and I am very excited to hop back on the mic with our guest today, the one and only Gisakalakis. Welcome back to the pod.
1: Jan, thanks for having me back. That was actually funny in the prep. I went back and listened to our, listened to a bunch of episodes, but I listened to our prior conversation. And so um, I think it was almost, is it almost three years to the date? Yes. 2019. It's super funny. And we didn't talk about this in the
0: pre chat. Just FYI for anyone listening, because I actually listened to the same podcast and it's up. It's really funny that we both did that. But uh, it was funny because I I was listening to lunch hour legal market and and go, by the way, let me take a quick step back. I was gonna say I had a couple of funny lines for this. One was, we got two of the guys with the coolest names in legal marketing on one podcast. So uh, you're welcome, whoever's listening. (laughs) <laughs> second gee for anyone who doesn't know is one of the hosts of Lunch Hour Legal Marketing he is one of the most respected people in the legal marketing space he's been running his company attorney sync that helps out with seos but doing it for years a institution in internet marketing <laughs> uh time frame so um just to get
1: that. Well, you can't mind. see this if you're just listening, but I am bowing with thanks to Jan. Thank you so much. It's very nice intro and overly flattering, but I appreciate
0: but, it. No, you're a guy I respect a lot. People, people need to know if they don't. But um, okay. So <laughs> besides that, so it was super funny because there was a topic that we talked about in the 2019, which was actually one of the same things that I heard you and Conrad talk about in a recent episode of Lunch Hour Legal, which was branding versus direct response, and it was just kind of interesting because. Some things don't change, but one of the things I had as sort of a jumping off point for us is a little question. And I think there's a lot of different ways we could take this, but in your opinion, is it easier or harder to market a law firm today in end of 2023 than it was back in 2019 when we recorded that first podcast?
1: So it's harder every six months because every six months there's a new crop of competitors. Okay, interesting. You know? I mean, I think the the other. So I'm gonna stick with harder, but and here's my I guess my asterisk or my caveat. I think in some ways, uh, and largely because of the pandemic, but the lawyers kind of like snapped awake, and they were like, "Oh my gosh, we can actually deliver legal services online or via Zoom, or you know, not be face-to-face. And that opened the door to them being much more receptive to this idea of marketing their services online. And so I think there was kind of a sea change in terms of mindset, but at the end of the day, there's only so much inventory for it. You pick what you want, which practice area you want. And every six months, there's more lawyers competing for those retainers.
0: Yeah. So same retainers. Well, it's kind of funny, too, because when you really get down to the bare metal, it's just about the amount of people who have a given need in a given market at a given time for like any sort of like, I would say most practice areas outside of like, the I guess, like the super transactional stuff. But to your point, also, it's just like, you know, I remember back in the day, it was like the super rare thing to find somebody who was running a remote practice. And everyone had their hand at running a remote practice for a couple of years, not too recently. And some people decided they wanted to keep it. So it's like, I think it's tough to be like, you know, there's really not the... I think it's also interesting to see how the, the competitive dynamics force people to do different things. Because like, I think you could literally just have, you know, an office with little scales on the logo in a high traffic area in the middle of the state somewhere. And that was literally all you needed to do for marketing. But like now it's like, you know, you got the situation where people are coming from the capital to advertise in other areas. And it's just like, more options. So I, I definitely see that.
1: Tons more options. And, you know, I think the other thing too, is, is that the, there's been a somewhat of a consumer behavioral shift. I mean, I think that it was going on before the last time we talked, but this is another example of like COVID accelerated that. And, you know, so what are some of the outcomes of it? Well, you know, we had, we worked with a lot of uh, single event personal injury lawyers who did a lot of motor vehicle accident work. Well, we would pull, you know, a lot of the states will their uh, state police will report on highway traffic and crash data for the state, and there were counties that went a year with they went from having hundreds of motor vehicle accident collisions in their county to zero because no one was on the road. So that's that's a consumer impact, and you know, of course, there's economic impacts, and so and this is this happens all the time, right? So you know, bankruptcies have been flow. There's all sorts of practice areas that are impacted by more macroeconomic factors. And so that's always been a thing. But I think because of this, like, I mean, look, legal is not the only place affected. I mean, my wife works at PwC and they're hybrid. And I think institutionally prior to having to do this, they would never even consider that as a thing. And so anyway, it's, uh, I mean, we're all facing these uh, challenges, but I think certain practice areas are probably more impacted by these shifts in consumer behavior than others.
0: Yeah. And kind of going from that, if we're starting from the premise that we're getting more people that are entering, whether it's just new people that are opening practices, whether it's existing people that are now in our backyard, what are you seeing changing as far as what it takes to get ahead from a differentiation perspective?
1: Totally. So here's the other thing: these new lawyers, they are savvy. They are social savvy. They are influencers savvy. You know, and again, I I'm empathetic, right? I'm empathetic to. Lawyers who have been practicing for, you know, 25, 30, 50, 105 years, is what it, so it says on their website, 105 years of experience, but then they're like, show me how to use Zoom. And I'm like, I get it. I see. I understand. You know, we, we get the, we'll be like, hey, send us your CRM data and they'll fax us over a <laughs> yellow pad paper. And so, again, I'm empathetic, but these new lawyers, they already have a web presence. You know, a lot of them are already savvy with some basic SEO stuff. They're much more savvy with the idea of of top-of-mind awareness and engagement. And so you're competing with, this is the counterpoint, right? They have no experience practicing law. They're fresh out of law school. Maybe they've been out for a few years. But, you know, for certain consumer segments, legal services consumer segments, they're unsophisticated shoppers. And so it's that lawyer that's on TikTok they see all the time, and so that's the person they reach out. And there, you can look these lawyers up. You probably had them on your show. In fact, I know you did because I've uh, listened to some episodes. And they're like, "Yeah, you know, I'm getting clients from this." And look at, I think that that can work. The thing that I've always think about though is, is that you still want to sprinkle in like your expertise stuff, right? Like because at the end of the day, the, people are reporting on these millions of followers. But, you know, followers, first of all, and this I don't know if this is going to be a rabbit hole for us. First of all, people, and this drives me insane. Lawyers will come to me and be like, I want to be so-and-so lawyer. They got a million followers on TikTok. And I'm like, you realize a big part of those are totally fake. They're not even real. They're like bots and stuff. And they're like, what? And then, some, then you take that group away, a lot of them are bought and paid for, like these engagement pods and stuff where it's like you pay money or you you agree to go like their, engage their content. They do quid pro quo, similar to like what we saw with like reviews and stuff. And so anyway, point being is, is that these platforms, these, sat, these younger, savvier lawyers, they're a beast out there in the marketplace because... They're everywhere and they're good at it. And they don't, they're not at the trying to figure out how to download Instagram on their phone. They're like doing engagement pods and all this stuff. So I don't know. That's kind of ranty, but it's no, competitive.
0: It's good. And I think you it gives us a lot of good stuff. I'm all for rants, by the way. geez. from. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's, it gives me more to chat. Like, I'm in the right place then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, you know, it's it's kind of interesting too, because like, and there's another like sort of a dilemma too, because like we get this stuff kind of from clients too, and like we probably these days we're doing a lot of our advertising on Facebook, so we're like pretty adjacent to the organic co- content stuff. Which personally, I've never really been a fan of. I mean, I obviously do this podcast because I enjoy it, but like I couldn't imagine posting my lunch and talking about some cool stuff I ran into or uh, or with the the bro tree or. <laughs> that stuff. It's just not me. And I can't imagine how you'd run out of the business either. Just uh, as an aside. But yeah, it's like the thing that I always think is kind of interesting about the social media, like two points is like, one is, you know, I have situations where like, you know, I have guys who will practice the widest jurisdiction for most of our people, and I'm not, you know, we don't work with Morgan and Morgan or these crazy multi-state firms, unless it's like for, you know, like a New York, New Jersey type thing. But it's like, you know, you're going to be getting people from all over the world and all over the country. So even if those are organic, like the likelihood that you get one of those situations, it's like kind of one of those vanity metrics. I'm going to throw something out there. And I haven't talked about in this podcast, but I've talked about a lot, like just, you know, probably my personal life, I feel like there's a convenient Venn diagram, because it's like you have the situation where being an influencer is legitimately the best way to grow your business. But there's a lot of people that will grow their influence that is going to also fluff up their vanity metrics and just make them feel like a big deal that actually has no payoff. And I think it's really, really hard to tell the difference. And people are just investing all this time in being some sort of celebrity in a way that's not really going to pay them off. So I don't know where to go for a question, but it feels like it's a good idea.
1: Well, I agree with you, but I'm going to tell you, they're figuring out how to make it pay off. You know what they're doing? They're selling coaching services, right? So this is what happens. The lawyer gets, you know, influencer lawyer gets followed. They dance on TikTok, million followers. And then the other lawyers, they're like, oh, wow, this person really knows what they're doing on TikTok. Look at all these followers. And then the person with all the followers says, hey, come to my coaching thing to learn how I did it. Learn my secrets of TikTok dancing. And again, maybe they do help them generate millions of followers, again, most of them, many of them are fake, and many of them are not buyers, not buyers. But that, you know, Conrad and I talked about this lunch our legal marketing. And, and you know, I, some of it's like caveat emptor, right? I mean, you got to do your work and actually research people and, and hold people and hold vendors accountable and hold coaching people accountable. It's like, look, let's talk about forecasts, right? Like, what can I expect in terms of like clients and revenue and fees from this versus, you know, if people are selling you I mean, I literally see these. I I mean, I get the ads too. That's the thing. People are like, have you seen these ads? I'm like, yeah, I see the ads. You know, double your firm's revenue in eight months, eight figure law firm, nine figure law firm in seven months. Find my, you know, get my secret, my TikTok secrets or whatever secrets that is. The secret is, is that you got to position yourself. It's like, you know, it's going to the gym. You got to do it every single day. That's the other thing, knowing everybody hates that, right? Uh, just give me the secret. Give me the magic bullet. Tell me the platform. Tell me the special dance and hashtag. But that's not how it works. And and again, and the other thing is that, gosh, lawyers hate this one. And just happened the other day. People that you know, that actually like you, even former clients, you're not on their mind every day. They forget about you all the time. And so, you know, you. and I see this all the time. It's like, you got these referral sources and they'll come and we'll be talking about it in a workshop or whatever. They'll be like, you know, you'll see it in the call transcripts or in CRM data. This is like your friend and they don't, they forgot what you do. And so they're like, I referred to somebody else. I forgot you did this thing. And so anyway. You got to be there, right? You got to be present. You got to be in the attention economy. But, you know, how you go about it, there's a big difference. And, and again, what you invest in it, right? I mean, that's my thing about it is, is like your expectations have to be aligned.
0: Yeah. Like I think a couple of the interesting things too is that there's there's always, this has been going on forever in the internet marketing world, but it's like a lot of the, the appeal of this stuff is like, oh yeah, it's free, right? And then nothing's stopping you. You don't have to pay anyone to do a TikTok thing. But yeah, when you factor in hiring the content agency or paying for this sexy course or the billable hour that you're probably spending. That's that the
1: biggest w- cost. That's the thing that no one, you know, I again, I look at these P&Ls and I'll be like, show me your marketing expenses. And they'll be like, you know, Facebook media buy, Google media buy, whatever. And then I'll be like, well, where's all the time you spent on this stuff? You're not accounting for that. Like you're spending your whole day. And so, you know, and a a lot of these coaching folks, and and I don't disagree with this necessarily, but, you know, so empathetic to these solo and small firm practitioners. And it's like, how do you do both? How do you practice law, serve clients? That's a full-time job. That's more than a full-time job oftentimes, uh, especially if you're billing by the hour, right? Now, you know, it doesn't scale. There's only so many hours in the day. And so what do you do? Do you hire somebody who's going to be the rainmaker, the social media, TikTok dancer? And then even if you don't do that, if you're just going to do it yourself, it's like, it's not for everybody, right? I mean, there's a performance art to it to make, it actually work. And, you know, sure, I'm sure you can go and get a ton of followers and views and comments for being super cringy on these platforms. But is that going to motivate people to contact and hire you? And the answer is probably not. And so I don't know, it's tough. It's it's tough out there. But it is the attention economy. And there's no doubt about it. I think anybody who's still in the mindset of like, you know, we're just going to do great by our clients and let the chips fall where they may you're at a huge competitive disadvantage. I mean, even even word of mouth referrals are taking place on social media. I, mean, I can't tell you how many private lawyer to lawyer business referral groups that I see on Facebook, Slack, LinkedIn, you know, they're the listservs of today. This is where people are having these conversations referring business. And so you got to be there. I don't know if that's that's It's table stakes.
0: Yeah, that's actually something that I feel like doesn't get spoken about enough. And actually, I think this is kind of one of the things I had uh, sort of penciled in for like a topic here. But it was just like, basically, this whole lawyer to lawyer marketing thing. It's kind of weird, because the lines get blurred. And there's there's people I'll throw out a couple names and uh, the mutual friends, but like guys, I see all the time to um, Chris early, seeing Charlie Mann get his stuff on, on LinkedIn. These are guys that are just always in the mix and um yeah, this is kind of funny when ended up it ended <laughs> approaching this is I was like you just started taking over my feed recently but like getting to the point where you have these situations it's not like you know like I feel like the the TikTok and the you know that kind of bucket of strategies is I would say like a you know net new direct-to-consumer kind of relationship but kind of ignoring the old school stuff that's worked for hundreds of years is, you know, the old country club stuff, although it's probably not the country club these days. But let's talk a little bit more about like what's been working on on these other private channels. I mean, I know you've been super active in groups for a long time, super active on LinkedIn and kind of stuff. So you know, what have you been seeing working lately with that stuff?
1: Well, you know, it's funny, and you had said this before, and uh, I don't speak French, but you know, it's like plus que change plus c'est la même shows, something like that. Yeah. More things change and more they stay the same. I mean, for me, it's the same stuff. It's, the, it's relationships and reputation. That's the game. And all that all this stuff has done is it's created all these new ways for us to create relationships, nurture relationships, stay top of mind, demonstrate our reputations for excellent client service and you know, representation and you know all the stuff that we do. But it's not really fundamentally different. Right. It's like instead of having the conversation in the smoke filled Chicago bar, you know, maybe you're texting the are on a group text or maybe you're in WhatsApp or maybe you're on Slack. And, you know, the good part is, is that it's like, yeah, now I don't have to go to the smoke filled Chicago Uh, I can do this all from the comfort of my own home. But I think that people lose sight of like those things that have worked for 1000s of years. And it's like, all of a sudden, like, I'm going to do this new thing. But the truth is, is that it's still the same thing. I mean, that's why you see these lawyers, they're like, take a picture of myself with this other well known lawyer at this conference or wherever it is, because it's like that association thing where it's like, oh, they know these people, I'm going to reach out, you know, I'm going to go connect with them on LinkedIn, they have a mutual friend on LinkedIn, That's how you create and nurture and solidify these relationships. But at the end of the day, it's still who, you know, it's who, you know, and what you're known for. And so, you know, it still goes back to that reputation and you can go deeper on the positioning stuff, but it's like, why is someone going to refer somebody to you? What do you do? You know, and sometimes it's as simple as like we're buddies from law school, right? That's why I refer to you because you're my friend from law school. Sometimes it's because you're the only lawyer who does this specific thing and you're the only game in town. And so great if you can find out what that, you know, if you can niche down to that thing. But I don't know. I think also their issue is like people like me and marketing people, we paint with these broad brushes. And so the listeners get confused and they think Everybody hires a lawyer the same way and they don't, you know, some people are going for referrals, some people are still going to search, some people are, you know, they're still at the country club asking for referrals. And so, you know, again, I think so much of it is is this idea of like, I'm just going to do this one thing. Think about it like investing in a portfolio investment strategy, like you got to diversify got to be out there in, in a variety of different places so I don't know.
0: yeah no i think it's a good point and like um yeah i was listening to this podcast the other day and like they were talking about spearfishing it's really really hard to get like parrot fish the ones that eat coral <laughs>
1: is fish i don't know i don't i haven't spearfished yeah. but I I think I know where you're going with this.
0: Yeah. So, but like you can't, you know, you're never gonna get a pirate fish at the store because they don't go for lines and they don't get caught up in nets. They hang out in coral and you would be a fool to like, you know, try to do this thing. And, you know, no one's dangling coral from a line. So you can only get these fish by spearfishing, but. I think it kind of is like interesting. Whenever we've gone like cross channel, it's super, super weird to see that there's like these completely different sections of the market that you might have no idea exists because you haven't been in that part. But kind of getting into like the ecology of like your overall marketing effort, it's like, yeah, like you get the situation where I'm really, really stretching this metaphor now. The the coral fish all die, or like the coral all dies. There's no more fish. Well, you're going to wish you learned how to line fish at some point, right? But you know, when you kind of have these different things, I feel like that's like what the real hedge is. And it's like, you know, I think there's kind of over, kind of going back to like the, the hypey, new, sexy stuff. It's like, it's always way easier to talk about the new strategy because like, Geez, you know, to beat somebody in the, the totem pole of their relationships would take a lot of effort. And that doesn't, that's not cool to talk about. <laughs> like, it's not fun to imagine. And you don't get as much of a dopamine hit from thinking about putting in work to build
1: relationships, you know? Exactly. That's exactly right. It's not as fun. It's like, this isn't, you know, the thing that just made me think about this, because this is like such a quintessential example of this. Pokemon Go. I was getting calls from people, lawyers, being like, "You gotta, you gotta teach me how to do Pokemon <laughs> Go marketing for my law firm." I'm like, "Are you serious?" But to the point, that was the shiny thing de jour. I remember being—I think I was at uh, this ABA tech show, like several years, many, many years ago, and someone was talking about how Vine was going to transform legal marketing. Vine's not even a thing anymore. And um, anyway, but so that's why you stick with the fundamentals. And you know, another kind of point about this that I think is that, that lawyers miss is they think that it's like all like all lawyer all the time versus this idea of like affinity. So I one of the things I always tell people, I'm like, well, what are you into? You know, what are you, what do you really care about? You know, because at the end of the day, That alone, if you have no other positioning, if you have no other vertical, horizontal positioning, being like into what you're into, your authentic self, and then going to find people who are also into that thing makes a huge difference. Like, and we bring this up all the time, but like, you know, there are people that are like foodies. Well, if you're a foodie, and you're taking pictures you like to take pictures of the food and the stuff that you're doing, especially if it's local, local even better, because now it's in, if you're serving a local community or in the community that you know they're going to recognize a lot of the places you go. And then you share that stuff and you go join the foodie groups in these places. And then you're the lawyer in that foodie group. Well, guess what? You don't have to be there hammering over the head with free consultation. They know you. They already know you. And then it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, this person actually also helps deal with these legal issues. And so uh, that's a really effective way, especially if you're just getting started, is just like lean into the stuff that you're into and go find those communities. And, And it's great, especially if they overlap. Right. So, like, example, if you're a personal injury, plaintiff personal injury lawyer who help cyclists who have been in a collision you know it's great if you're a cyclist yourself because you're in the cyclist clubs you're in the cyclist groups you're going to the cyclist events and they're like oh yeah by the way you're also the lawyer that have all the cyclists that get hit there." you are like of course we're going to go talk to you you're like one of our peers yeah
0: you're even thinking right i was like i'm have with estate state planning i'm gonna have to take up golf <laughs> I'm like, I'm right too, too, too much martial arts <laughs> yeah. anyway, but no it's like it's a super good point and like um yeah, it's uh, as far as kind of like getting into these things too. just I think it's also one of those situations where like, I guess there's a couple of different ways that people could react to the, the new platforms and new information. It's like, okay, one, you can try to beat the, the zoomers at their own game. That's one thing. Another is like, well, you know, if they have savvy with the tech platform, and uh, a whole lot of time to throw at it, and you have relationships and experience and actual legal wins under your belt. How do people get to the point where they can display that? I think the relationships is a huge pillar of that. But how have things changed in the last couple of years as far as just, I guess, like reputation management? It's like, it was kind of funny. I was listening to that podcast in 2019. It was like, I think we had some like whispers of uh, the coming GMB revolution. That seems that that played out in in an interesting way. But how have things kind of changed? And and what are some other ways that people can kind of display that expertise at scale?
1: Great question. So Jeff Bezos has trained all of us to hire and, and buy based on reviews, like it or not. You know, lawyers can't stand it. Avvo, everybody hated Avvo. We're going to rate lawyers. This is what the internet has done. And so my the, the most important thing you can do, regardless, of, yeah, you might not care about the internet. You might be a golfing country club word of mouth person. But when someone refers you, those people are likely to look you up online. And that place that they go is still Google. And so they're going to type your name in or some permutation of your name. If you're not, don't have a fancy name like we do. And they're going to add attorney or something like that. And Google business profile, your Google business profile, if you have one, is going to show up. And people expect to see that there are reviews there. And, uh, you know, in any major market with any major practice area, you're in the hundreds of reviews. And, and some of these folks, you know, they're in the thousands of reviews. And you're like, how do you compete with that? And, and the answer is you can't. So like, there's There's just no way. If someone's, for the consumer who's going to make a hiring decision based on seeing your reviews in your Google business profile versus a competitor, if you're not a volume shop, they're never going to make that assessment. So so the constructive point is you got to distinguish yourself on something else. Maybe it's expertise. Maybe it's, you know, you're the president of some kind of organization, you know, recognized organization. Maybe you've published something. But, you, but that doesn't mean you can't do the video thing, right? I, or I'm sorry, the um, testimonial thing. You still have got to be delivering great service and have those systems in place to ask clients for reviews where, you know, when appropriate. And the other thing I would say is like the video testimonial stuff, like getting video testimonials where it's appropriate and where clients are willing to do it. You get their consent and all that kind of stuff on Google business profiles. There's nothing more powerful. I mean, this is why the big advertisers do this, right? Their commercials are their clients being like, so and you know, the... Uh, Pearson laundry guys. So-and-so got me a million dollars and you know they tell their story. There's a reason they do that because it works. And so finding ways to have your clients tell that story. And, you know, look, and people, criminal defense lawyers always tell me, like, you're crazy. I'm not gonna, no one's gonna get go on Google and say, thank you for getting me off my DUI, right? And it's true. They're not. And so, you know, you got to find other ways to get people to sing your praises. And, you know, maybe you do seminars, maybe you do some kind of educational material. And so people can go, Google's wide open on the experience thing. So maybe they can go review you for that kind of stuff. But, you know, look, I always tell lawyers, I'm like, we don't make the rules of the game. You know, I if you don't like this stuff, go fight with Google about it. But this is how people are are looking lawyers up. And, and you can go, you know, the other thing I always tell people, you want to know if your reputation stuff, your efforts and reputation are working, go hook up Search Console and go look for queries that includes searches on your name. If that's not growing over time, people aren't looking you up, you know, because I can tell you that that's that's the major way that people do it, they're they're searching for you. But sorry, it got ranty again. The thing that I think is important for folks to understand is that the consumer behavior is shifting again. And Google knows this, they're freaking out about it, but people are going to TikTok and doing searches. People are going, uh, maybe not so much on Facebook, but they're going to social platforms and doing searches because they're getting a much more rich experience, oftentimes from people that they're connected to somehow. And you know, to the, your point on LinkedIn, LinkedIn's a great platform for this because you see these mutual connections. LinkedIn has business intent. And so the consumption of information and research and the journey that your social is a much bigger part of it. I mean, Google knows that Google's got this, pers- people that are, might have not known about this, At Google I.O. this last year, they announced this thing called the perspectives filter. Short version of it is they're adding a lot more social content to search results. Now, not surprisingly, a lot of it's YouTube because they own YouTube. And so you're seeing a lot more YouTube videos, too. But Reddit, TikTok, a lot of the social content is showing up in search results because that's where it's a better experience than 10 blue links.
0: But yeah, it's, it's interesting because I mean, I think it also kind of just goes to this increasing competitive dynamics kind of a situation. It's like, you know, it's not like there's the one, two, three playbook like there was uh, 10 or 15 years ago. And it's just like, you know, it started off with if you were the the only guy who was in the yellow pages, then it was first guy with the website, then it was the first guy with the keywords, then the links, then yada, yada, yada. But I feel like it's, it's kind of like a sufficiently complex place where it's like you really have to intelligently see where you can get an edge on these different things and like to your point about like you know the the review stuff it's like yeah like you know going heads up against a mill type law firm it's like you're never going to win the numbers thing so how do you differentiate and um i wanted to ask kind of more of a technical question so we were doing a lot more AdWords last time we chatted, and one of the things that we used to make our bones on this was the, the like one of the big strategies that I had in my first book was just going like niche. So we were able to target like you know neck injury attorney like we had we, we had a campaign that was crushing it with uh, workers comp stuff for that for years. But as time has gone on with search, it's just like we're getting railroaded into head tail keywords for a lot of the the PPC stuff. But being an SEO guy, you guys have always had access to the long tail type stuff. So Have you seen any change in terms of the breakdown between, you know, head terms versus kind of that long tail stuff? And like, is that a good way for people to differentiate these days?
1: I still think there's value in this um, idea of like niching down into like, you know, long tail or like, you know, sub practice areas of a a bigger practice area. And man, I feel you on Google ads. I mean, Google is really making the game hard. You know, they've got you know, close variants and they're getting rid of all the exact match types and they want the AI to handle it because why? They're a publicly traded company and they need more clicks. And so that's what they do. Organically, though, to your point, and this is true for social too, I think it's still a great play. Now, the challenge, of course, is always that how do you do it, right? So like thinking about long tail and organic, you start to think, well, okay, I can create a, I can I can write a post or a page on my site. If your site is significantly authoritative, you know, maybe you can pick up some positions, especially if it's if it's a, if it's it's the niche is somewhat localized or you're trying to do localized, maybe you can do that. If your site's not ranking because it's not, it has no authority anyway, then publishing on your site's not gonna, you're not gonna, you're probably not gonna do it. So then step two might be like, well, I'm gonna go publish on a third party site. So, you know, the uh, classic Barnacle SEO idea, think will scott gets credit for coining that term but you go publish on linkedin and so linkedin's got authority and those pages get indexed or you go publish on quora those pages get indexed and so you can capitalize that way but the thing that really works well if you get the right niche is creating you know this micro site strategy so it's a you know you have a uh, a site that's specifically for like you know i i love the uh, fair Labor standards act lawyers have been doing this but you know there's this term donning and doffing where it's like you you're supposed to get paid for you know getting your work equipment on or taking it off and there's all sorts of class actions about this so if you have a site that's all about that one thing i think it works really really well and in fact you you know some of these there's probably some overlap will work with google ads i still think it's a good strategy. But to your point, I think that the the big categories, you can't do it. It's got you got to in the mass torts people to do this, right? Because guess what, every time there's a new mass tort, whether it's because of some, uh, you know, drug, or it's from some, uh, you know, the earbuds or the Camp Lejeune stuff, that's a whole brand new blue ocean for them to go create sites and content and run campaigns against, uh, same with paid social, so it can still work. And you know, the, the cost per impression and click and stuff on social platforms is way lower. And so the economics can still work there. But on search ads, yeah, it's rough. I mean, Google's really making things hard.
0: Yeah. I mean, like we've just, you know, to to open the kimono, like we barely I think we we have pretty substantial white label business, but it's kind of like water, you know, it's, it's, you're taking everything or go home. That's basically it for like the niche stuff. It's kind of funny too. Like there's this, I don't know if I've ever told this podcast, this so but there's a guy I used to know back in New York and he was like classic appellate law guy. So back a house, loved writing. And this guy just wrote blog posts on like the most obscure, like constitutional law topics. And he crushed and like all of these cases, like if, if you're listening to this, you know, a pal lot. It was like, you know, some guy who's, uh, you know, grandma had $100,000 buried under the doghouse. <laughs> so he Did super, super well. But that's just kind of the strength of having that stuff too. And I honestly think that that game is almost over. If I mean, if there, there's a way to do it, I'm not aware of it. <laughs> Like the the
1: yeah I, you know media. I it's it's tough because so think about all that goes into that right so one you have to be super knowledgeable about some very specific thing yeah I always used to use uh, Tom Goldstein he founded Scotus Blog constitutional lawyer and Scotus Blog is like the go to source for Supreme Court news media coverage legal media coverage and I'll be like go do that you know lawyers will, go do that and they're like wow that's a lot of work. And so, you know, is that, so can you, can you do it? Yeah, I still, I still think you can do it. Now I do, the one thing, the, the caveat here is, is that behaviors are shifting. How many people do you know that have an RSS reader that are subscribing to get blog posts delivered in their inboxes or are checking Feedly or Flipboard or something? And, you know, maybe old people like me, how old am I? 44. Maybe, you know, I still do some of that. Yes, people are still doing searches, you know, again, people do for research, you know, Google's really good for research. So for this particular strategy, it still works because someone's, you know, general counsel or another lawyer sitting there and trying to research the issue. And if your blog posts come up, but what's changed is because of social media and because we're all zombies and addicted to social media, which is a conversation for another day, they already know who the appellate lawyer is because the appellate lawyer is popping up in their feed all the time. And so they don't need to go, not all of them don't need to go do the research anymore. It's back to that traditional thing of like, well, don't I know somebody or can I go into one of these Facebook groups and be like, hey, who knows like the appellate lawyer who does this thing? And so that's the thing that's really changing is that the information is so fluid. It's so the friction is gone to be able to go find who the experts are, you know, and you still vet them. I, think, I still think it's like trust, but verify thing with a lot of the referrals. I mean, I do that myself. It's like, you know, I don't know this, who knows why this person referred to me. I, that's That's the downside of referrals. But I do think that it's so much more fluid in terms of like your access to the information and the people uh, that you don't need to even do the research as much. And so I don't know, because people always ask me about that. Should we still do blogging? And I'm like, do you like to write? If you like to write and you can write something that people actually want to consume and it's actually showing up in search results and you can actually demonstrate that you're growing subscribers and audience that way, you know, great. I mean, look at Substack, right? There's tons of people writing on Substack that are, you know, quote unquote bloggers. And they're getting all sorts of great attention. I mean, I, I subscribe to a bunch of, uh, you know, Ken White from, his uh, Pope Hat. I he's got great stuff, First Amendment stuff. Love it. Subscribe to it. Get into my inbox. If I ever run into a First Amendment issue, call on Ken. But one, he's really good writer. He's one of the preeminent experts on the First Amendment in the country. And um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I presume he likes doing it. Uh, otherwise, you know, he wouldn't. So that's that's the thing is, is like it's time intensive. Yeah. And kind of going back to that
0: thing too, like I think another part of the competitive dynamics thing is like, you know, understanding what the territory is, but also, yeah, like to your point, like your strengths. Like I feel like we're getting kind of like Sun Tzu here.
1: It's like, you know, totally like you
0: could choose the the battleground. That's how you find a that you in every time, right?
1: I say this all the time. I'm like, you've got to be, I don't know, I guess we're going to use war analogies. I know people, some people might not like that, but I'm always like Navy SEALs, not army, right? You're not going to win the land war. You've got to be a specialist. You've got to be much, you have to be so much more efficient with your resource deployment, whether that's time, whether that's media buying, and you got to be much more strategic about it. But, you know, for me, again, you know, I was tipping tip in my hand, I think that's a lot more fun. You know, just trying to go out and like just blast message everywhere, buy every billboard in town. Although I'll even tell you, some of the billboards are getting pretty creative. I don't know if you followed any of the Morgan & Morgan stuff. He's defacing his own billboards. Oh, I um, heard
0: about that on your podcast, actually. Yeah. It's, <laughs> that's uh, clever, though.
1: Well, it's wild. It's definitely gets attention, you know, Um, and they're great at it. I mean, do you want want an example of some great PR marketing stuff? Go check out Morgan Morgan stuff. The whole Tim Tebow thing, they've done a bunch of stuff, but but that's that's the point, right? It's like even Morgan and Morgan, who's like the biggest firm, they're like, we've got to do things to stand out because that's really what matters is standing out. What do you do that's different? What do you do that's going to like spark something in someone's mind at that moment that they're going to hire you? And and that's really, you know, I think it's important to distinguish because I know some people are sitting here and they're thinking, well, you know, look, that might work for like personal injury, right? Because, you know, people, they don't, you're not calling your injury attorney until you need an injury attorney. I think another huge missed opportunity is the demand generation side of things where it's like the people don't even know that they need your services, you know, and and we talked about this in our last conversation a little bit, but like estate planning is a great, is a great example of that, right? Because so many people, they're, they are just don't have, they they have no estate planning, anything. Most people, I don't know about the last time I checked, but I, at some point I looked it up and it was like 80 some percent of people don't have any kind of, it all goes to probate. That's demand generation because you're not trying to sell on the, that you're the expert on this so much. You're trying to just get them into thinking about like, I actually need this service, you know, or I need the, whatever it is, product, service, whatever you want to call it. And that's another big missed thing because so many people, you know, search is direct response. It captures a demand. It doesn't create demand. And so for every month that there's only take all the keywords that are related to estate planning, that's a finite number of keywords that are searched. That's That's the demand through search for that particular practice area. Go find out ways to take all the people who aren't searching for that and communicate to them why it's so important for them to have this estate plan. And, and I think estate plan attorneys know this more than others, because for that very reason, because so many people don't have it. But other practices, you know, it's not true for personal injury. It's not true for criminal defense. But a lot of the transactional type stuff, it's they don't even know. They don't even know that they that's a service. And so like getting out there and like doing videos being like, here are all the har- Here are all the problems that come if you die intestate, You know, here are all the issues that your family is going to face, all that kind of stuff. I think that that's the kind of demand generation play yeah well,
0: I think it's super exciting too and like kind of back to your your land war versus navy seal stuff it's like it's just kind of like you know I feel like there's there's the raw number and you could just get in a spending contest with the firm across town, but just like the leverage you get is what you do from doing this creatively and intelligently and and you know just Interesting way, but I'll also say this too on the demand side. I've kind of had this really, I've been trying to find demand sides to every practice area. And I think there's more than people realize, right? So I'll just use bankruptcy as an example. Like, you know, if you think about the decision that somebody, how somebody lands at that decision, there's the day that they type in bankruptcy attorney near me, but that ball has probably been rolling for, you know, a while, right? And if you can, you know, this is just what's the, the, the challenge to like, I'm a huge fan. My favorite book ever in marketing was um, Breakthrough Advertising by Gene Schwartz. He said, you know, if you think about markets as a pyramid, there's always fewer people that are searching than are that are aware of the problem or aware of the, you know, solution or whatever. Most aware solution, aware problem, and then unaware. So, you know, if you have the situation like, hey man, if you have you know eighty thousand dollars in credit card debt and you make forty k a year, you might want to think about how you're going to get out of that. And bankruptcy only lasts seven years. I'm not sure you knew that. And again, if, don't take that if, if you're a bankruptcy attorney. I think you could do a lot better job than I just did, but. You know, like criminal, you got expungement. I think with uh, PI stuff. I think newer mass tours that people aren't aware of. It's just like I think there's, and it's it's just so fun because it's like I think again, it's like you know you got to create stuff from scratch. You're not going to copy and paste the template. There's not the uh, oh yeah, like how are we going to get this? There's there's not a 17 year old who started an agency on how to get this and it's <laughs> like, that's going to be in your inbox for that. But if you want to get into the, the process of doing it, it's just it's a huge opportunity to use that leverage and be able to battle with the giants.
1: I think that's so spot on. And, you know, and I think that's another interesting thing that's gonna happen is non-lawyer ownership of law firms. And there's all sorts of issues with that. But in this particular context of the conversation, think about family lawyer. And in, instead of the business just being like, we help you with divorce, you've got counseling services. Maybe you've got other ancillary services under this same umbrella so that these people, so consumers come to you, with, to solve a bunch of their life, family life stuff. And when the time is right, when you make the decision, we also have a, a lawyer that if you want to go the divorce route, but we also have a therapist if you want to go the therapy route. And we also, have, I don't know if it was mixed up up here, but we also have a uh, child care something. But I think that we're going to see more of that. And, and if you're in a jurisdiction, because I know most of you don't can't do that and it's not here today. But if you think about that with the mindset of partnership opportunities, right? So if you can't be in business with them, find ways to build relationships with the people who are serving that next layer of that pyramid right so somewhat like to your point someone that's getting to get a divorce well they're probably doing a thing doing trying a lot of other things before they get the divorce well can you be a part of that conversation so that when they if they do come to that conclusion that they needed to hire a divorce lawyer you're already in their consideration step because they knew you at an earlier stage. I think that's really, really spot on.
0: Yeah, well, it's also super interesting too because it's like, I think from just kind of uh, continuing this, this through line of the increased competition too, I could see a world where it's not really an option to not have these other things because if you can, and this is just a hellish thing to imagine, but you know it's worth considering. If you took your cost per lead or the amount of money that you're paying for marketing today, if it's not trackable by cost per lead and you doubled it or tripled it, what would you have to do? And I think a lot of people realize that there's a lot of stuff that they're just throwing back into the ocean, which would be super, super useful for a partner. And then, you know, if I think also people, you know, sometimes as, as attorneys, it's like, you know, people will like project the the difficulty of fee sharing onto other industries. And that's not the case. <laughs> so it's like, you, totally. know, you might find out there's people that are, you know, whatever realtor is going to cut you in on when you know, you got to sell the family home, that's not interested. Like, I mean, I'm just crazy examples. But you know, and there's just so many creative ways to do it. So it's like I think um, it's an awesome full circle thing. I think we we might have started in a, in a in a bleak place, but I think there's there's a a pinpoint of light within it. So is that I think it's there's a way to to move forward for for people who are willing to put in the effort.
1: I think so too, and I think the through line again is the same boring thing. It's building relationships, being strategic, and being mindful and intentional about where you're showing up with your time and your resource deployment. Right, and it's like. It's all the same stuff as it's always been. There's just so many new ways to do it. And, you know, people get overwhelmed. because It's like, I got this new platform and I don't know where, where you know, where should I connect? And, but again, I, it come, at the end of the day, behind all of these profiles, behind all these websites, behind all these ads, there's still people there. And so if you're building relationships and you're, you know, marshalling the evidence of your good reputation, you can still win. Well said, Guy. All right. I
0: don't know if I can top that. I think we are at a fantastic logical point of conclusion for this. And actually, I want to be respectful of your time because the, this hour just flew by. But for people who are enjoying this conversation and want to get a little more Guy in their life, what's the best way to do that?
1: Well, you can, as you mentioned, I, we have a lot of fun on Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast. Check that out. If you want to contact me directly, you can head over to attorneysync.com, attorneysync.com. Feel free to connect me on LinkedIn. Hopefully you can figure out how to spell my name, but I'm sure you'll figure it out and um, say hello Uh, again, but just like everybody else, I'm just, Anxious to meet you.
0: Awesome. And we'll get that in the show notes too. So copy and paste that from your app. Make sure you let Apple have the permission to copy and paste from your podcast app. Um, so you wouldn't know what would happen if you didn't do that. Okay, Keith, thank you so much again for coming on once again. And um, it was an awesome conversation. I know I'll be listening to this one again. And for everybody else, I will see you guys next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern on the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.